Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. My guest today is a food scientist and Red Seal chef, and she can make the magic, the art, and most importantly, the science behind being a great cook the way few others can. She is a 30-year career food scientist specializing in meat, poultry, and seafood processing. She and her husband, Leslie, are proud owners of Java Jack's Restaurant and Gallery and B&B in Rocky Harbor, Newfoundland, Canada. And those of you who know our province know that's a very beautiful place. In a typical season, the restaurant serves some 12,000 guests. Uh huh. She really knows her stuff. And let's welcome Chef Colleen Hiscock to Let's Get Writing. And I'm just going to bring you up, Colleen, and welcome you to <laughs> Let's Get Writing here. Hi, Hello. how are you? Good, I'm good. How are you, Catherine? Great. Well, I'm in central Newfoundland, and you're on the West Coast, and technology is great. <laughs> so far. <laughs> so far. Colleen, um, your beautiful book, actually, let me just show it in the screen here so people can see it right off the top. There we go. Like magic. And um, it's fresh off the press. And I just want I think I think the first question that comes to my mind and probably everyone's mind at this point, like magic, because for me, cooking isn't always like magic. <laughs> Do tell. How did you come up with this title and why? Oh, you know, it's, it's like anything that you're looking to have something that culminates the idea of. Um, so, you know, I always uh, uh, you spend quite a lot of time thinking about how, what, what is it really that I'm after? I want to show people it's about the science. So it's not magic. But it's like magic. If you use the elements of science, then it, you know, the, the results magically appear. So, you know, through the course of, you know, many iterations and you know, lots of time of thinking about it, you think about it in the shower, you think about it as you're walking, and you go, what, what really could culminate uh, the concept or the idea? What I'm trying to get across. And um, so like magic became that. Um, and then, you know, the tagline, like use the magic of science to release the chef in you. Really, you know, if you have some elements of science, then you too can be a chef in your own kitchen. So, and even the element of adding science um, ensures that you are going to have the same results again and again and again. And so like magic, you have confidence now. You're going to create wonderful food every single day. And uh, so that's the idea behind it. So coming up with it, it, sometimes those things just appear. I know you say like magic. Yeah, that's it. It's actually like magic. 
Well, I tell you what really got me was when I was looking through the book and I saw you can have these results again and again and again. And I'm one of these cooks that goes into the kitchen and it's like luck. <laughs> if it's, I just don't have the attention span. And then when I went through your book and looked at the recipes and also, which I will say, I'm so motivated. Cookbooks do that to me. I get so motivated, but you made it like nothing was like a gazillion ingredients or anything that I really wasn't familiar with. And you had really good tips, like such as how to prepare your kitchen, how to be ready before you start. I think that what other tips do you share with people like me? Um, and even experts, what do you feel are important things to do? Well, we oftentimes think that cooking is sensationalized, right? Sensationalized by media, if you will. And yet we have to nourish ourselves every day. And so some people are very much at arm's length. They look at a recipe and go, if I don't follow this recipe um, word for word, I'm so worried that it's not going to turn out. Um, and yet we learn a lot of these science principles we learned uh, through grade school, grade two, grade three, grade four, and yet we're too young to kind of connect the dots as to how they apply to our everyday lives and how we can utilize them every single day. It, it is kind of um, interesting. And the reason that I actually went forth to, to write this is to sort of dispel some myths, help people with some usual issues that they have, or trying untether people from a recipe that, you know, they can freestyle with whatever they have in, in their kitchen. And so, you know, the idea about using a familiar recipe, things that you already know you're going to like, things that you have in your kitchen or at the grocery store that you know you can get, particularly in rural Newfoundland or in a rural mm -hmm. area, you know, it's, it's sometimes you're unsure, am I going to get those gherkins over at the, you know, the grocery store that's in town? So, my idea is be able to use things around you, be able to provide content and, and concepts that are foundational so that, you know what, if you can't get the red kidney beans, you can have the white kidney beans or you can have the black beans. And those things will all apply in terms of being able to create something fabulous and maybe new or upscale traditional, um, make it a little healthier, less out of the process box. So, so, so that's the concept behind kind of the, um, the idea around the familiar recipes and the do it again and again and again and make sure that you're going to be able to feel confident in the kitchen. I, want, I would like to enable everyone to be able to create their own recipes uh, in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you go oh. to a, a dinner party and, and mm -hmm. you know, the host has got this special recipe and that nobody else can recreate because they've done something super special. And that, that's okay, right? To be able to have your own special dish and to be confident that you can share it with others is, um, is really a great thing. So you can create your own and be the chef in your own kitchen without this daunting, sensational thing. Oh, I can't mm -hmm. be that. And then I've had, I've had those cookbooks. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, what is that? I don't know what that is. Um, and areas where, you know, that I've explained some of the ingredients or even some of the sayings, some of the tools that chefs, or if you open up a cookbook and you go, I'm going to whisk that to the ribbon. Well, what is that? So there's a glossary to be able to kind of get to there. 
Um, and then if you're really stuck, I'll have some YouTube videos that you can actually go to QR codes in there. I think I have yet to see another cookbook that has put them in, but I really want to enable people to, um, to have confidence and success in the kitchen. And actually, I'm just going to put your YouTube channel up here because I did hop on there and, and I subscribed and had a look at what you were doing. And you are so wonderful when you do this and you have such a passion for it. But one of the little things I liked in the cookbook it, it, on one page, it said, well, if you don't have baking soda, you can use cream of tartar and uh, salt or something together could replace baking soda. And I thought, this is oh. genius. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you're looking for you know, something that's going to create a leavening. So it'd be an acid right. um, to do that. So it was baking soda and tartar. So it's an acid and a and the soda. So it's an acid and a base that you're putting together um, in, in place of like baking powder. Um, oh, baking powder. That was it. Yeah. And I thought, this is genius. My daughter goes, Mama, who's got cream of tartar? I said, I do have that. My mother always told me, have cream of tartar in the kitchen because you just never know when you're going to need it. But I and thought you had very practical ideas in there that that, that were, they spoke to me. They were really, I was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, I think through your book, I felt confident that I could take it and go with almost, I think, any recipe there. And, and that has been some of the feedback, actually. Yeah, even even a pan fried cod. Yeah, that's been some of the feedback, Catherine. Um, you know, mm -hmm. people look at it and go, "Oh, I can make this food. I can do that." And I go, "Yeah." So the starting point is not too unfamiliar. How to boil an egg? Like, ooh, you know, there's people who are precious about. Oh, it's eight minutes from, you know, boiling, or it's ten minutes from cold. And I give you the concept. Oh, it doesn't matter. Here, here's what's actually happening in the egg. And cold or hot, whatever your thing, whatever the the condition or the size of the egg, here's the concept of what's actually going on. And now you can freestyle whatever way you want. So if you know what's actually going on in the egg, then you can warm it on the side. You can have it if it's already you know room temperature. Though I wouldn't advocate eggs to be room temperature, but you know if you're going to put them in the in the pot in room temperature water, then you know that you're going to bring it up to the boil and and wait until that the the egg actually has time for the whites to set and the yolk to set as well. And we call it the terminology is coagulate, but you're that's what that's the concept. And so then from there you say, okay, well now I know how to do that. I can. What's the concept? How do I take that to a deviled egg? And how do I use the same concept for mayonnaise or hollandaise or, you know, all those things that you'd love to try? I give you the step-by-step. -step. Here's the here's the mm. way to do it. And here's the way that it's going to ha happen and be flawless for you. I loved it. And a lot of points and sort of when you whip and when you're gentle with food and uh one of the things that was in there that i think people would find interesting you talked about the speed with which you cook food or the approach to the actual cooking um and some people want to do things slow and low and but can you just talk a little bit about that because i thought your take was a little bit uh, refreshing on that uh well i'm a bit of a speed demon to start with but my favorite topic is time and temperature time and temperature. And I have um, a chapter where I talk a little bit about how as a food scientist and a leader uh, developing food products for the food industry, I had 
you know, stood in front of, you know, hundreds of people talking about and all of the relationship between time and temperature, um, it, they're highly correlated. And the relationship between them can be have such value. So if you are um, using, you know, a slow time and then um, you're going to have the temperature, it's not going to cook as fast. Uh, if you increase that temperature, then you are going to speed the, the cooking time. Um, and people will say, well, is it going to be tough? Is the meat going to be tough? The reason you use this slow and low concept is it's about tenderizing the meat. And um, I share in the cookbook, here's what's going on. You're actually breaking down the collagen and melting it not only at the, at the joints, particularly for meat, because that's what you're going to do. It's a slow and low. You're going to mm -hmm. uh, cook that way. Same concept for for baking actually as well. Like you can actually uh, change the way you, you do those things. Some of the ingredients need to change, but it it can be similar. You know, I'm gonna jack it up, well, I'm gonna get it cooked faster. Um, moisture moves faster. Those molecules of water move faster, but the heat penetrates um, at a higher energy level, both anything that would be in the joints that has collagen that's going to melt sort of in between the sheath that would be on a well worked muscle. So the meat in particular, you know, stewing meat has a lot of connective tissue. And usually it's the muscle that has been worked the most. So it's the, you know, the one that we're using on our legs, right. our arms. And, and so it's got a lot of connective tissue. You need time for that to melt. But if you increase the temperature, it melts at a faster rate. And so not to mention that, you know, the outside of the muscle has got this silver skin or this chewy skin mm -hmm. uh, connective tissue, but also the muscle bundles on the inside have that as well. And so you're waiting for that to melt. So higher temperature will get you there faster. The molecules go a little faster because you have more kinetic energy. And as a result, you can go faster. So it it is, it is. And really, it won't be tough. No. It won't be tough. So still time and temperature relationship. So you could say, well, am I going to be, you know, at 350 or 325? I'm going to be, you know, three hours or four hours. If I go 450, I'm going to be two hours or I'm going to be one hour. Um, and so it works that way. I love the scientist in you and it comes through. It just totally comes through. Okay. A scientist has a lab. What's in your lab, Colleen? <laughs> because scientist you keep that lab. pretty simple. Yeah. You keep that kitchen pretty simple as well. At least in your book, you conveyed that, that we don't need the world to be great cooks. And uh, tell us what are your favorite things? Yes. Yeah, so in, in, in the book, I articulate that, yes, there is a whole industry of things out there that you can get. And yeah, you can get a lot more efficient with, you know, an increased amount of tools you have around. You've got to wash more of them, though. That's that's part of the problem. But if you are starting out and you say, what are the favorite things that I must have in my kitchen? Um, I mean, a couple of knives. And if you are um, if you are, have you know, going out and buying knives, invest in. Um, a very large uh, chef's knife uh, because it can cut through meat. It'll chop vegetables. Um, a vegetable type of knife that has little bevels in it that will allow the moisture to wick away so that your, you know, the, the cucumber doesn't stick to your knife. Um, the paring knife, 
just a couple of those. I wouldn't go crazy in terms of price. You can buy four or five of them and you know, you lose them, you break them, then you can go get yourself another one. A, a pan, um, the pan is a omelet pan. It makes great eggs. It's got a little round edge to it. And, um, and after that, it becomes fairly simple. Scrapers from the dollar store, it becomes, you know, typical can opener. You're going to have a thermometer, must have a thermometer, everything around the thermometer. Um, a scale, uh, I have a scale. Now, if I'm doing product development, I actually have an analytical scale that I purchased for that, where you get down to minute quantities of, you know, fancy ingredients. But for the most part, for everyday cooking, um, a simple scale, uh, bought at a regular store, better, you know, a kitchen store or a Canadian Tire, um, any kind of the regular uh, department stores around have, you know, easy kitchen sale. Um, the grocery stores often carry those simple tools too. Thermometers is is a must have mm -hmm. um, scale. The measuring cups in my book, I'm fairly specific around kind of measuring cups. So if you're going to go buy some, they're not wildly expensive, but no lips on them to make sure that they're sort of square and, uh, and you know, you can do a, a, a scoop and, and swipe on them. But just to make sure that your measurements are going to be a little bit better. I go quite into length about preparation. I think preparation is a big deal. And it's not about the fancy tools, um, oftentimes kind of what you do with with what you have around you. Um, I check out the dollar stores around and I have many tools from there. And I can go through a lot of those tools before I get to the price tag of a big fancy thing that, you know, I'll probably go through in the same amount yeah. of time as well. So, uh, so we can all do it without, and I felt pretty good. I had a scale in my kitchen and a couple of thermometers. <laughs> I feel I'm on the right path with your book. And uh, Colleen, when people read the book and, and get involved in it, um, it's, you know, it's, it is so helpful. And you tell some nice stories in there. Um, you know, how, was that the catalyst to get you to write this? Was your experience through life or you fit those in beautifully in each section? Tell us a little more about that. Yes. I mean, when you, you, you grow up, you know, I'm like everyone else, relatively normal person, I would think. And, and so you go through a lot of um, learning of your own. Um, and then as you know, you learn more and have been through, you know, the education that I have, and you'd say, well, people say this, but it's not actually quite right. And so how can I share that? So here's my experience, you know, we went up north and we you know, or dive myself, my daughters, and the, my husband dove into this wonderful um, experience where we were snowmobiling and um, and dinner was fabulous. And we had this wonderful soup, and all of a sudden, this creme brulee in a poached apple comes out to the table, and this little snowman uh, dehydrated apples, and we go, I want to try that at home. Like you yeah, well, that was so great, so fabulous. I want to try that. So we go home and you know, there's no way in this world that I could recreate it. It just didn't happen. And I'm sure people have that kind of experience to say, well, okay, what was really going on there? Like when I started diving into the science of eggs as a meat, poultry and seafood scientist, you don't do too much on eggs, but you know, as you dive in and you learn yourself and you say, oh, okay, now I know what's going on. Here's what's going on. Okay, now I can make this flawlessly the entire time. So connecting people to my experience of 
you know, with the science. Um, I felt that I could bring people into the science in that way. Normal person, right? You know, I have the same experiences. Mm -hmm. You look at things, go, I'd like to try that at home. My mother-in-law and I used to have that kind of experience. Well, I want to try that. And she would be a bit of an early adopter on, on, on cooking. And, and so it was always delightful to have a conversation with her about what she was trying. Oh, you got to try this, Colleen, it's a new recipe. And uh, anytime we'd come to visit, you know, she'd have something special she want to try for me. So, so similar experience, um, you know, how I got into this uh, in one of the chapters on, on seafood, um, I was wandering in the desert looking for what my career was going to be. I was going to be a dietitian. I, I loved food. I had this wonderful experience with food. I was a swimmer, competitive swimmer as a teenager. So I was intimate with food, I guarantee you. I, I was needed <laughs> lots of it. <laughs> eating machine. And so I went to be a dietitian, wrote an article about free fatty acids, arthrosclerosis. I was into see how seafood would be so great. So, um, but I worked in a hospital and it wasn't for me. I really... Uh, did not feel that that was kind of the environment I wanted to be in. So moved on to chemistry and said, yeah, I can do chemistry. Um, couldn't see a path at that time. And then I took a food science course and the instructor there was um, inspirational. So he gave us a weight paper on postmortem physiology of all things, you know, what happens when something dies. And, uh, you know, went out around the bay where my father is from. He's from Ship Harbor, Placentia Bay. And went out around the bay. My father had, a, you know, my parents have a cottage there. And, and uh, we went out in a fishing boat. And he and I, you know, love being on the water. And so went out uh, codging in that day. I could see exactly what was happening that was in this white paper that the professor had given me. So, you know, here's, here's what's actually going on. We actually see it in front of our eyes every day. So it became so clear that this is, and, and of course, then you look and go, oh yeah, you know, you're really geeking out here, but it was really so interesting. So I share that in there as well, um, that, that fish is not meant to be smelly. If it's processed well, which is many of the meat manufacturers, many of the seafood manufacturers follow those basic science principles. This is the food you get. It's fabulous and it doesn't smell. And it's so easy to prepare and you could have so much more and here's what's going on. And so, you know, those experiences like, you know, just is, you know, and that became my passion for 30. And, and I think, yeah, many of us, I think as we, if we have a teacher or someone in our life influences us, we have something, you know, that resonates, we want to pursue it. Now you always wanted to have a cookbook and this is your first cookbook and you, I'm sure there were challenges. The photography is beautiful. Let's talk a little about the book and uh, you printed it with Tell Well Talent, it's a Canadian company. So how did you land there and what were the challenges with taking the book from your kitchen in your mind to this? Yes, well, it, um... You know, I had always been wanting to do a cookbook. My mother prepared her own cookbook, a compilation of recipes. I felt, you know, I'd like to do that too. Um, and with the restaurant, I felt that I probably could share that. 
and in particular, since we have the gallery is our bit of our retail space, I said, well, I could probably share that. Um, and with so many people coming to the restaurant, enjoying the food, the food, the basis of the food is science-based. It's got a French uh, influence. Um, I went to Saint-Pierre-Miquelon when I was, uh, you know, first in university and uh, and enjoyed the food there. So, you know, those first foundational experiences really is the basis for most of the food that I create. I loved kind of where um, the culinary world has come from with, you know, five mother sauces out of the Scoffier and stuff. So um, those are sort of pinnacle things. So I thought, okay, you know, I've got the, the restaurant, people are asking for recipes and people say, well, you know, you're gonna do a cookbook, let me know, I would love to buy it. So great, fabulous. So, um, I got involved with uh, a lady by the name of Anita Stewart. Now she is the founder of Food Day Canada. And she set forward a law whereby the first um, Saturday of August would be set aside for local food celebration. Now she's since passed away, but she shared with me, she said, you need to talk to so-and-so over at uh, Penguin Random House. So I did. And as I spoke to him, realized, well, I uh, don't have enough people, but he gave me, um, his name's Robert McCollum, and he gave me the background as to what I needed to do to prepare a proposal uh, for, uh, for publication. So I said, okay, great. And then I created the outline and went through that process of a bit of a, you know, if, if you will, you know, almost like a business plan. Here's what is, mm -hmm. here's my target market. Uh, you really need to hone in on, you know, what do you want to do? I mean, I live in this beautiful area. I mean, it's gross more and uh, everywhere you turn, there is this beautiful vista around you. You kind of go mountains and ocean and wow, it's just breathtaking and so relaxing. I have that. Uh, and then my girlfriend says, well, you need to put some pictures in there and you have, you know, gross Warren to put in there and I have pictures of food and you have Java Jacks and how do you distill all that down? So distilled all that down into connecting a little bit of my place and tradition. More I thought, I really would like to get more science out there. Everything that I do has a science or some element of efficiency or physicality, um, math and science is so integrated into everything I do. That is the foundation. Restaurant, the same thing, one plate at a time. It's a manufacturing facility, one plate at a time. And everything is measured and calculated and it's gonna be consistently the same again and again and again when you come to my restaurant because that's how we've set it up. So um, when you kind of distill down what you're going to do, creating this proposal, you need to kind of figure out, okay, I can't put everything into this one book. I have to figure out what I'm going to focus on. So focused on the foundational, there is elements of place and tradition in here that's weaved in because I'm a Newfoundlander, we've got to tell a story. Um, but how do you tell the story that connects to the science? Then you have also um, the elements of Java Jack. There's lots of Java Jack signature dishes in here because they're science-based anyway. And so, so coming up with that was really uh, the elements of it. And then you say, okay, really, what, what is your objective? I said, I really like people to connect with science and food. And when the pandemic arrived, uh, we, would, we would do that. Now, how I got there, so created that proposal, sent it back to Robert. Robert evaluated, said, okay, you need to go to some regional folks. So you, you, know, you start to run around to different regional publishers 
and then realize that uh, you know where I am and what I have in terms of my own offering in the gallery that I need to be a self-published author. So um, tell what was really great in terms of helping along their process is step by step. Uh, you go through one step of the process and then you set it back to them. Um, and it's really something everyone can do. Um, it wasn't wildly expensive, so um, you know, very affordable to get that work done. And uh, and uh, the experience was was great. The the quality of the book that they did, they helped me with uh, choosing the quality of the book. The paper, you know, that that's in here is spill proof. The book itself actually lays flat, which I I think is actually mm. a really fabulous feature because very nice. Uh, you're looking for your recipe and you can't. Uh, you can't get it back and uh, you know, your hands are dirty or, you know, you got the oven mitts on and you're trying to find the page and, um, and no longer can you get there. And so uh, they have helped with, uh, with a lot of the support on it and taking a step by step, but really kind of getting through, you know, honing in on what the target is and I have to give a lot of kudos to my brother and my sister-in-law who really said, you need to target, like it needs to be this target primary target, a secondary target, and really understand kind of who you're, you're putting this together for. Um, wow. Well, you did a beautiful job. And Colleen, our time together is coming to a close. <laughs> and just, I could certainly know you could passionately talk about this for a long time. But I do want to encourage people to, to, to check it out, check out the magic of her book. And I think someday, Colleen, one of your passions and goals would be to see it in the hands of maybe a school curriculum, and we do hope you get there. <laughs> Folks, thanks so much for joining us on Let's Get Writing, and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel and subscribe, and have a great week, and this is a great way to start your new year. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you, so please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.